Welcome to Good Enough with the Trauma Therapist, a podcast dedicated to empowering you to take control of your life, learning valuable strategies for healing and looking at mental health through a trauma-informed lens. Get ready to feel empowered and confident in managing your symptoms. And now, here is your host, licensed clinical social worker, EMDR therapist, and certified clinical trauma professional, Jamie Vollmuller. Welcome to Good Enough. I am your host, Jamie Vollmuller. Today, we're going to be talking a little more in depth about what EMDR is, uh, the model that goes behind it, the adaptive information processing model, and the eight phases of treatment and how they work. So the adaptive information processing model was a theory that was developed to explain the observed results of EMDR therapy delivered to individuals experiencing PTSD or trauma. So this model hypothesizes that maladaptively stored memories of trauma create obstacles to rational processing of information. This is what we were talking about with Sharon last week when the the networks in your brain become isolated because of trauma, it's hard for them to access the logical portion of your brain, that prefrontal cortex area. So the bilateral stimulation, the tapping back and forth, the eye movements back and forth, whatever method you're more comfortable with, is hypothesized to help remove these obstacles and permit the complete processing of the memory, leading to a reduction in your symptoms. So it's basically saying that when we experience really distressing things, sometimes they get stuck in the brain and cause these problems that people have like nightmares or flashbacks or panic attacks or that internal anxiety. And EMDR is there to build the new connections in your brain and connect those isolated trauma networks to the rest of your brain so that you don't get such a physical response from your triggers. And you're better able in split seconds to know that a trigger like a smell or a place or a statement someone made is not actually a threat that needs to result in you losing emotional regulation or losing control of your emotions. We're going to go into those phases as well. There are eight phases in EMDR. These phases are not necessarily chronological. Some of them can happen simultaneously. We can move back and forth depending on where you are, but it is a protocol-based treatment, so there are eight phases. The first phase is like any other therapy. It's getting to know you, taking history, seeing what your current strengths are, seeing what uh, resources or coping skills that you have and making what we call a target sequence plan. So again, since we're protocol based, we're making a really solid treatment plan that's outlining your negative belief, whatever that is, your what you would like to believe about yourself, and then memories, past, present, and future. So memories and situations, I should say, that are triggering that negative core belief. If you have a really great therapist too, they will also, or they should also go through the positive memory, like positive memories that you have that do relate to the positive belief you want to believe. So for example, if you believe I'm unlovable and you have all these memories that are negative that relate to that, but you want to believe I'm lovable regardless, you're probably also going to have memories in your life where you felt unconditional love, hopefully, right? So 
This, the length of time of how long you're in phase one, really depends on how much insight you have as a person, how open you are with your therapist. So it's really important to keep in mind. Phase two is resourcing. This can occur simultaneously with phase one because when we're doing history taking, uh, again, sometimes some people are there for a long time, but we want to give them resources or coping skills to help them uh, respond to those triggers in more appropriate ways, right? So resourcing phase is really training you on how to calm your own nervous system through things like progressive muscle relaxation, creating your own resources like what we call safe space, which is a safe, calm, or calm state is what calm place is now what they call it. Uh, Because some clients have issues with the word safe and it's hard for them to even think of a safe place. So calm place is what we call it. So it's usually a place that makes you feel really calm. It could be imagined or real. So it could be a beach for me. It's always the beach as well as containers, like a place in your mind that you can put things away for later, that you can tuck it away, store it safely and come back to it when you need it or nurturing figures. There's a lot of different resources out there. Those are the the standard ones that people tend to use. So those are the ones I was talking about. But resourcing phase really is teaching our clients how to learn to tolerate discomfort and create their own internal peace, which is really important because we say in EMDR after processing session, which we will get to what processing is, but after a processing session, we always say the processing will continue, meaning other information, other memories, other things might come to your mind that are triggering. And we need to make sure that our clients are really ready to deal with everything that's coming up for them when they leave our office. And it's really important that clients have really solid resources and can calm themselves on their own. So EMDR, usually we say there's no real homework uh, when you're in like full-blown treatment phase where you're in processing, there really isn't homework other than to maybe take note of things that are coming up for you. But I do encourage my clients when we're in the early stages to practice using these coping skills or resources to regulate their nervous system so that they get good at doing it on their own outside of my office. It is really, really important. So phase three is when we're about to go into processing. So no one should be doing phase three with you unless they're going to go right into that memory. The whole purpose of phase three is to get your body in an elevated state, right? So we're deliberately trying to put you in a more aroused state here so you can move on to process the internal discomfort and the traumatic memory. This We're going to pick a memory in this phase to begin processing and identify the emotions that come up with it the body sensations that are connected to it. We're going to measure how much disturbance, we call it, that you feel in your body, zero to 10. 10 is the highest and zero is neutral or nothing at all. And we're going to measure how true that positive belief that is opposite of the negative belief is on a scale of one to seven. So one being totally false, seven being totally true. And then we're going to jump right into processing, which is phase four. I'm also going to note here that phases four, five, and six are really what most people would consider processing. So all three of these stages, you're doing the bilateral stimulation that EMDR is known for. So phase four, you're holding that negative core belief with a memory that is triggering. And you're administering the bilateral stimulation either through 
the eye movements, the tapping, alternate sounds in your ear, whatever is the best method for you. And by doing this, we are helping our brain to make those new connections. The goal in phase four is to get you down to zero disturbance so that when you think of I'm not good enough and the memory of uh, not being picked for the baseball team, right? Um, You can now replay that whole memory in your head and have no disturbance in your physical body. So once we complete that, we move on to phase five. Phase five, I feel like is so overlooked. It's called installation. It's about doing that same memory. I'm not good enough. I wasn't picked on the team. And in doing it with, I wasn't picked on the team with the positive belief of I'm good enough regardless, even if I wasn't picked from this team, right? And we hold that positive belief in our mind and replay that memory of not being picked for the team. And the beautiful part about phase five is that all of these other things that we tend to overlook come up for people. So there'll be things that you didn't remember, people in the room that were reassuring, people that supported you through it or how resilient you were in responding to that. And, and your brain has that information. It's just sometimes hard for us to access, right? And phase five is really, really important because not only do we want to get to zero disturbance on that memory for the negative belief, but we also really want to strengthen how much you believe the new positive belief. That is the most important part. That It's really overlooked this phase, which is why I wanted to talk about it a little more, because uh, it's really what's fostering the new neural connections in your brain and is helping you to more easily dismiss those triggers because it's it's connecting that isolated trauma network with more adaptive memory networks is what we call it in the AIP model that I was discussing in uh, the first part of this segment. Um, and when you connect it, that means that when you have that trigger that's like someone makes a comment that you're, makes you feel like you're not good enough, you don't just go back to all those other memories that made you feel not good enough. You also now have connected to that all of these positive memories that reinforce you're good enough regardless. You might not be a baseball star, but you're a kick-ass mom and you are awesome at you know, uh, helping people work through their problems or, you know, clearly I'm talking about myself here. Um, (laughs) Just kidding, guys. I don't think that highly of myself, but I am a good mom and I am good at helping people work through their problems. So the goal is to strengthen how you see yourself and how you see the world and to move you to a more positive view. So in phase five, the scale is one, which is totally false. You don't believe you're good enough regardless at all and to seven, which would be, I 110% believe that I am good enough, regardless of whatever happens to me or what anyone says. And then after we hopefully get you to seven, and I also want to say here that, you know, not every client gets to a zero and a seven for four and five, Um, especially if it's one of the first memories you're working through, right? Because you also got to remember that there's more trauma, more memories underneath there, more triggers that you, if it's your first time doing EMDR, you haven't worked through. So you might get to, you know, a two or a one in phase four and a five or a six in phase five. And that might be good enough for that 
particular memory because we know that it's what we call ecologically appropriate, meaning that it it's an appropriate number for where you are currently in your treatment and with the situation. So sometimes, you know, if, if someone's experiencing cancer and it's an ongoing stressor, you know, they might never get down to a zero because it's going to be stressful. Like some life events are just stressful. EMDR is not going to take away it can't change reality. That's not what it's about. It's about helping you deal with reality and seeing it in a much more positive light. So after we get to hopefully a zero and a seven, we're going to move on to phase six. We're still again in BLS at this point. It is called the body scan. So the we've talked about before how trauma is stored in your body. So phase six is ensuring from head to toe that you have zero disturbance, no physical sensations, and we're administering BLS during phase six. We have our clients focus on their body, you know, notice where you feel any stress. You know, it's very common even for, especially for clients that don't get to a zero and a seven to have some physical body discomfort still. Not that high usually, but sometimes it's there. And we are administering the BLS and focusing in on the part of the body that they feel that distress. So it could be their chest, their neck, their arm. I've had clients say my elbow, I feel it in my wrists and working to get that so that they, they don't really feel it anymore and their body feels calm. Again, back to regulating that nervous system. After we complete our body scan, we're going to move on to closure which is phase seven. So that's just wrapping you up and sending it back out into the world. That's you know talking about how the session went, how processing went, what insights you gained, and we're using those resources that we learned earlier in treatment, like our calm state or our container or our nurturing figures or a positive experience you had in the past to help re-regulate your nervous system. So especially if you're doing week-to-week treatment, you don't get through phases three, four, five, and six in one 45-minute or an hour session, Um, especially for really stressful memories. In intensives, you do, which is why I really love doing EMDR in an intensive format. But for our clients that are weekly, this is super, super important because we don't want to send someone out of our office you know, when they came in at a two and now we brought up all these distressing memories and they're at an eight and be like, all right, see you later. That doesn't work. You know, that's not going to feel good. That's not going to want to make it come back next week. Uh, It doesn't feel safe. So we always leave time to make sure that we are closing you up, regulating your nervous system so that you're leaving my office feeling calm, which is really important. And then the last phase is reevaluation. So what we always tell you when we wrap you up at the end of that session is the processing will continue. And what that means is these these memories that you worked through, there's going to be other related information that's going to come up for you during the week. So again, this is why resourcing is really important. And I know a lot of clients want to just jump right into processing because that's where the magic happens. And that's that's kind of true, right? It is where the magic happens. But it's really important to make sure you're prepared for that magic because sometimes during processing, like you're going to have memories that you're seeing very, very vividly. It's going to bring up other memories that you might not have remembered or other thoughts or things that have happened that 
you know, you pushed down and you didn't remember. So we need to make sure that you are set. You are able to emotionally regulate when you leave our office because especially in week-to-week treatment, you need to be able to regulate your nervous system in between sessions. And it is common in EMDR for, you know, especially in between sessions while we're working through a really distressing memory like a sexual assault or physical abuse or the death of a loved one, like really, really hard memories, it is very common for people to have more nightmares, flashbacks, suicidal thoughts during this time. So importance of phase seven. Phase phase eight is just reevaluation. So the next session you come in, we're ensuring that nothing that came up was triggering or shook out during the week. If it did, sometimes that zero that you had might go back up to a three. So we might start on that memory again to make sure there's nothing else we missed out on. So that, guys, is the eight phases of EMDR, which I'm really excited that I actually got to, to talk about in depth today. And remember, you are good enough. Thank you for listening to Good Enough with the Trauma Therapist. We appreciate you listening. While our host may provide some personal and professional advice, we want to remind you that this show is for entertainment purposes only. Each individual situation is unique, and Good Enough is not a substitute for mental health treatment. If you need a therapist and are located in New York, or Missouri, feel free to reach out to us at liendr.com or brave-mo.com.